Welcome to Golf Better at Edwin Watts Golf, episode 129. Hello, everyone. My name is Tom Brissell, and thanks so much for joining us. We say it every time if you're a first-time visitor or a long-time subscriber. Either way, we're glad you're visiting us today because today is extra special. It's that time of the year, first major championship is this week in Augusta, Georgia, the Masters. And joining us is a man who made history 25 years ago. It's hard to believe. The 1987 Masters champion, courtesy of our friends at Cleveland Sricks on Golf, Mr. Larry Mize. Larry, thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure having you. Well, thanks, Tom. It's great to be with you. D- does it seem like 25 years? You know, it really doesn't. Uh, you know, time does go by quick, and I think the, the older I get, it goes by even quicker. But uh, So it doesn't seem like 25 years at all. Yeah, you were, what, 28 at the time, I think? That's correct. I was 28 years old when I won the Masters, yes. Let's turn the clock back to back around then. But even before then, you're an Augusta native, I believe, played right next door to Augusta Country Club and then to Georgia Tech. I don't think your driver's license has ever read anything other than Georgia. Is that correct? That is correct. I've, I've always been in, uh, lived in Georgia my entire life, and uh, he was born and raised in Augusta, Georgia. And I did. I was fortunate enough to grow up playing golf at Augusta Country Club, which was great for me. And, uh, you know, could look over the fence on number nine at the, at the Augusta National where the Masters has played and just kind of drool over the fence hoping to get there one day. And it was, uh, it was, it was a great town to grow up in. Well, you turned pro, what, 80, 81. You won the Danny Thomas Memphis Classic in 83, so you weren't a stranger to uh, winning. But in 1987, what was the state of your game going into that first full weekend in April? You know, I felt pretty good. I had uh, played in the Players' Championship a couple weeks before. I had, had played well there, and I came into Augusta feeling good about my game and, uh, you know, looking forward to, to playing well. I, I played uh, the final round in 86. I, I played really well, and it's uh, people may not kind of think this very often, but that can kind of propel you the next year. The last time I was on the golf course, I played really solid, played my best round ever on that Sunday uh, lowest score I've ever shot at Augusta that Sunday in 86. And uh, so that was another positive. And, uh, you know, I felt really good going into the week. Yeah, you're right, because back then there weren't massive changes between 86 and 87. So it's almost like you can pick up where you left off. Well, you really could. And, you know, you could ride the momentum, even though it's a year later, you're back at the same place. And, uh, and uh, you could just ride the momentum that year. And, uh, you know, sure enough, I did. I got off to a nice start. And, you know, was able to stay in contention and give myself a chance on Sunday. It's Saturday, if I remember right. You you had a pretty strong finish on Saturday, did you not? Well, I really did. And the Saturday was, uh, I think, a big key to the to the tournament for me. I uh, I hit my tee shot on number 12, the great par 3 there in the water. And so I had to drop back, and I wedged it up there about uh, 12 or 15 feet or something and made that putt for bogey which was really a tremendous bogey for me to keep me from making double because I was already two over coming into 12, and the bogey there put me three over, and I was kind of shooting myself out of it. But from 13 on in, I played three under to get back to even par for the day and get back in contention, and that was a tremendous finish for me on Saturday. You know, Sunday at Augusta, it's it, now it's turned into it, – it's always been survival, but now it's like attack and survive or no when to attack. But that final round – what do you remember that sticks out in your mind of your final round on Sunday? You know, I guess the biggest thing is how nervous I was on the back nine. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, an, it's an intense day, and uh, that back nine, uh, you know, the, the front nine doesn't get a lot of credit. The front nine is a great nine, front nine holes of golf. Um, 
But the back nine, you know, with the water and the potential for disaster there on 11, 12, 13, and 15 is just uh, really gets your, uh, gets your attention. And, you know, with the Masters on the line, it just, uh, you know, back nines are majors. It doesn't get much more intense than that. So that's the biggest thing I remember is uh, how intense, but at the same time, how much fun it was. I mean, that's, that's why we work hard to get in those positions. So it's, uh, it's a nerve-wracking, intense feeling that's a lot of fun. Larry Mize joining us, 87 Masters champion. So you're in that position, and you've got to walk over to 10T, and everybody remembers uh, David and Goliath, the little, you know, the sweet swinging kid from Augusta and Greg Norman. But, you know, there was another Goliath up on that tee as well, wasn't there? Yeah, you know, people forget Seve. Seve Ballesteros was in the playoff as well. Uh, he, he bogeyed the 10th hole, and so Greg and I went on to 11, so they, they remember me and Greg. But, uh yeah, I had to deal with two great players at the time, Sebi and Greg, and it was uh it was a high order, but uh I uh you know, I felt really good going in. I played really well. I birdied the last hole, the seventy second hole, number eighteen at Augusta on Sunday, and uh that gave me a lot of confidence going into the playoff. If if you were to have a master's pool an office pool back in the eighties, look at what Sebi did. He was a champion in eighty, he was tied for a second one shot back in eighty two, he was a champion in eighty three, tied for a second in eighty five and eighty six. He's got the lead going into fifteen. So you're looking at uh at two monsters there on ten T. what people I I think forget is your second shot on ten was awesome. You stuck it. Yeah, I hit a really great drive on ten and got the uh got the Big bounce off the hill and was actually I drove those two guys, which is doesn't doesn't ever happen. And uh, you know, hit a good seven iron in there. About a, I had about a ten or twelve footer right up the hill, just what you want. And uh, you know, really I, I you know I thought I hit a pretty good putt, just didn't quite make it. But I had a great chance to finish it off right there, and just uh, just came up a little short. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You had a chance after they both putted. Sevy blew his by the hole. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, the grain on 10 kind of runs from front right to back left, and it looked like your putt. It, it doesn't doesn't it seem like it would work that way, but it looks like the grain kind of grabbed it at the end and just kind of took it a little left. Well, it did. It took it a little left, and, you know, uh, it, I, it, it could have hit it a little harder either way. I could have played a little more break or a little more speed. I would have made it, but no question, it dove off left pretty good there at the hole and uh, just missed it on the low side. So, Seve, three putts, you and Greg move on to 11T. You know, this is all kind of lost in the in the whole translation, but the handshake right then with Seve, and does, or does he just does he just move up the hill? Well, he did. You know, it was really special. Uh, Seve came over and shook my hand and wished me luck, and that, that really meant a lot to me. And uh, Seve and I have always gotten along really well, and, you know, obviously we miss him now. And uh, But it was she was very genuine in wishing me luck, and uh, that was very uh, meant a lot to me when he did that. You and Greg have to go and hit out that bowling alley shoot on number 11, and you both hit pretty good drives, if I remember right. What happened on the second shot? Well, you know, I've got a – it's back the way it should be. Greg's in front of me about about 20 yards, and so I've got a five iron. I think he's hitting about an eight iron or something. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to hit a draw in there and I put it in the center of the green, give myself a good putt for birdie. But, uh, you know, your mind says just making sure you don't hit it left, so I kind of – blocked it out to the right and hit it to the right of the green about 100 feet from the hole and uh you know was a little disgusted with myself because that was definitely not the shot i was looking for you can't go left like you say so you're you're you've gone right norman knocks it on the green you start surveying the the shot on on tv it looks like you're more elevated than you actually are i i, I don't think you are but what kind of options did you have larry as far as that shot 
Well, that's a great question. I mean, there really weren't many options, which was really a, a very positive thing for me. And, and actually, I'm down below the green. There's a little, it's a kind of a valley to the right there. And the greens were so hard and fast that year that I could not land it on the green and keep it out of the pond on the other side. So the only shot I had was a pitch and run with the sand wedge. I thought anything with less loft would kind of be running too hot once it hit the green. And, you know, this is a shot I, and I know a lot of guys, we, we practice it um, and everything. So I played it back in my stance, hit a little pitch and run with the sand wedge to land short of the green and to kind of bump it through the rye grass they have that can be kind of sticky. And I'd hit a couple of times and just jumped on the green and rolled like a putt. And, you know, my main thought was to hit a good aggressive shot and put the pressure back on Greg, give myself a short par putt. So, you know, made him uh, make his putt a little harder. It goes in, your visor flies up in the air. It looks like you say a few words like a, a, a Danny Werfel or a Tim Tebow to the heavens before it's time, like a thank you. Talk about that moment. Well, it really was. I mean, I just, uh, when it went in, I couldn't believe it. And I ran, I threw my club up in the air and knocked my hat off and uh, was running around. I was actually screaming. And I, I remember thinking, oh, you're, you're screaming. You know, quit, <laughs> shut up, Larry. Don't, don't be screaming like this. And, uh, you know, I did. I mean, you know, my faith in Jesus Christ is very important to me, and I was just thankful for the opportunity and the talent that God's given me. And, you know, I want to give him the glory. And, uh, you know, my hands went to heaven just as a thank for what he's done for me in my life. And, uh, you know, I picked the ball up out of the hole, and, you know, then my main focus then was to quiet the crowd down so Greg could have a chance to play because we need to get it for him to play the shot. But, uh, you know, I think the run and jump says it all. It was such an exciting uh, moment for me when that ball went in the hole. I just... uh it was just an incredible thrill for a, a young man from Augusta. To, I mean, for me to play in the tournament was a dream come true, and to have a chance to win it was incredible. You know, 25 years later, you look at it, and there, the only other shot of that kind of magnitude at the Masters has to have been Gene Sarazen's you know, double eagle on 15. Yeah, I mean, that was a phenomenal shot that Mr. Sarazen hit to make a two on 15. I, I can only imagine. Never, I've never made a double eagle or you know hold a shot that far out, but uh, that was a it was a great shot he hit, and just to, just to be mentioned with that shot is uh, is a lot of fun for me. So you you got the jacket on, Jack puts it on you. I know you're in tears because everybody everybody watched. It was a very very emotional moment. Rumor had it that they asked you to, or did you did you ever go back and hit the shot again? You know, I didn't. Uh, one of the golf publications did ask me to go back and recreate it, hit the shot again, and uh, I don't think they were real happy with me when I declined. But, uh, you know, it was one of the best decisions I ever made because now when I see the chip shot, you know, when I see the pitch shot and see the, <clears throat> the ball go in, I mean, that's the last time I was at that, in that spot and <clears throat> last time I hit the shot, so it's still just a, a pure memory. And uh, I still get excited, and a big smile comes across my face whenever I see it. So I was really glad I didn't do it, and... uh just the, the other note to get the to get the jacket from Jack was also a dream come true for me to you know to have my my favorite my childhood idol put the jacket on me. Uh, it doesn't get any better than having Jack Nicklaus put the green jacket on you. And I guess one little trivia question: three hundred and sixty-five or so days later, or three hundred and sixty, you get to pick the menu out for the Champions Dinner. What'd you, what'd you choose? Yeah, you know, I just you know I, I'm a big steak, steak guy, so I just had steak and. Uh, had some peach cobbler for dessert, you know, being a Georgia boy. So uh, I wasn't sure what to do, so I just kept it real simple. Had steak and, uh, you know, obviously the, a little bit from Georgia, the peach for dessert. So that was uh, that was my menu. 
Larry, you're associated with Cleveland Golf. You have a great relationship with them. One thing that obviously has changed from back in 1987 is what's in your bag back then versus what you have now. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about what you're playing now with Cleveland that you like? Yeah, I can. I mean, you know, Cleveland's a great company, and I'm just I'm excited to be with them and happy to be with them. Um, you know, they've got a great new driver out that I've been experimenting with and played with the last two weeks is that Cleveland Classic driver. It's a... Uh, kind of a throwback it looks more like a a wooden driver with a, a painted insert and everything on it so, so uh that's a, that's a great new driver they've got and uh you know i, I love the irons they've got some uh, forged irons out I, actually i've been going back between the 588 the blades and the cavity backs which are you know uh, two great options whichever way you want to go so i've uh, actually the the last round last week i actually put a combination of the, the long irons for the cavity backs and the short irons for the blades so i'm still experimenting with those two to see what i'm gonna play with next week but uh they're just they're just great irons and obviously cleveland wedges it doesn't get any better i've got those 588 new forge wedges in my bag and uh oh they're beautiful aren't they they really are and the feel you get from them and the design of them are just uh are just fabulous you know about a month ago we had mike dunphy on the player development rep for cleveland golf and he said with the classic driver on on the practice area people just stop and just look at it and want to hit it it's just such a a a classic look a throwback look but uh uh, it's got it's got today's technology in it well it really does i mean i do think i picked up some yardage with it Uh, i want to do a little bit more testing but i think i picked up some yardage and uh you know what's even better i think my miss hits are better i mean everybody talks about how far you hit the good ones but to me it's key how how well are you missing it do your miss hits still sneak out there a little bit and they sure seem to with this driver well, Larry, it's hard to believe, like we said, that you're over 50 now, but you're uh, taking it to task out on the Champions Tour. Just final final thoughts. What plans for the uh, remainder of the year for you? Well, you know, just uh, you know, continue to work hard. I mean, I, I love to play this game, and so thankful that I get to continue to compete and do this. That I'll just be working hard to try and uh, you know get back in the winner's circle on the Champion tour, Champions Tour and uh, contend for that Charles Schwab Cup at the end of the year. So we'll be working hard for that and. You know, just uh, look forward to the rest of the year. Well, we know it's a busy time and a busy week for you. We want to thank you for taking some time out with us and our listeners. It's it's special in uh, 25 years. It's still it's still kind of hard to believe, but we just want to say thanks for joining us, and, and we'll be pulling for you the rest of the year. Well, Tom, it's my pleasure. I appreciate it very much. Thanks. Have a great day, and uh, t- talk, right. talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, I think if you look the word up, class and classy in the dictionary, you'll see a picture of, of our guest, Larry Mize. What a classy gentleman, and what a, what a memorable moment that was 25 years ago at Augusta National. Everybody remembers the one shot, but that was kind of a little preview of what his week was like going into it. Uh, his Saturday finish, which was strong after hitting into the water on 12, and then also finishing the round off Sunday and then having to fight off not only Greg Norman, but also Seve Ballesteros in a playoff. Well, thanks again to Larry Mize for joining us today and our friends at Cleveland Stricks on Golf for putting that together. And thanks again to you, our listeners. And we'll do it next time when we have another episode of Golf Better at edwinwattsgolf.com. So long, everyone. <laughs>